All right, Revelation chapter 13. Uh, we're not going to get too far, just so you know this afternoon, because i got some stuff to show you. I want you to be able to, hopefully, Lord willing, grab a hold of these concepts. Don't forget that we're looking in uh, chapter 13 at the Antichrist here in the first part of it. And then the false prophet is coming up around verse number 11. But right now you're looking at the Antichrist. The second beast that comes up is very similar to the first beast in Revelation 12, which we identified as the dragon, which is clearly the devil. And then this one's the Antichrist that comes up, the leopard that we've been talking about. That's an integrated beast. It gets its power and authority and its seat from the dragon. Right? And so uh, don't forget the devil's the greatest imitator of Jesus Christ that there is. Um, if you think about it, uh, there's a son of God, right? There's one son of God, right? Lord, but there's many sons of God. Are you a son of God? All right, but there's one son of God, Jesus Christ. There's one devil, but there's many devils. Isn't that wild? The devil copycats everything Jesus Christ does. So when the Antichrist shows up, you're going to find a religious figure, a political figure, who is very religious and likes to do things like God, like Jesus Christ. Uh, beat the point half to death, so I'll just uh, mention it and keep moving. If the devil's working, he works more in religion than anywhere else. Uh, he likes to be religious, and I'll show you that. I'll show you today, this afternoon, I'll show you demonic spirits. We say demonic spirits, but that word is not in the Bible. Did you know that? Demonic, the word demon ain't in the Bible. They're devils. Uh, unclean spirits is in the Bible, but not demons, not demonic spirits. So if I say demonic, then you know I mean devils. Um, but here's the funny thing about them. They worship. They'll worship Jesus Christ. Not a weird thing. So you think just because you're in church or you're in praise and worship or you're in a church that worships Jesus that you're all right. Well, no, you're not. Uh, you better make sure you define that stuff properly. Revelation chapter 13, verse 4, And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? Let's pray. Father, we love you this afternoon. I pray that you'd be with my mind. I pray you'd be with my mouth. I pray you'd help us as we go through these things to go through them the right way. Uh, Father, I, I think of that passage over in the book of Job. It says, Lay thy hand upon him, remember the battle, and do no more. And so that's what we're doing here this afternoon, God. We trust in you, and our faith is in you, and we recognize that we have a very real adversary, the devil, and we realize that he hates us and hates you and hates what we're trying to do here. And so I pray for strength and for liberty from you to be able to preach and teach the Word of God and to do so in such a way that keeps your people safe. Uh, I think it's real bad, God, when we get hungry for... Uh, this supernatural stuff, especially the dark supernatural stuff, something in our human nature is attracted to that. It's wrong. So I pray you'd help us not to, not to get off on the wrong foot and on the wrong tangent, but help us to study these things from your word uh, in a safe way and to learn about them the way you'd have us to learn about them, not researching on the Internet or any of the rest of that stuff. And I pray you'd reveal these things to us so that we're not ignorant of his devices and so we have an understanding of what's going on and we know you and see you better. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so they're worshiping the dragon in verse 4, and the dragon gives power to the beast, and they worship the beast. Now notice this phrase. It says, who is like unto him? Who is able to make war with him? Talking about him counterfeiting everything God does, go to Jeremiah chapter 49. Keep your finger here in Revelation. We'll be back, but we're going to turn to some references this afternoon. Isaiah, then Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. 
So find the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament and go to chapter number 49 and look at verse 19. Jeremiah 49, 19. Here's a great verse. Man, when I hit this verse, I stopped and I went back and I read it again and again and again. I read it over and over again. And then uh, I got to the next chapter and I thought I was seeing things because I got the same verse again. I'll show it to you. It says, Before he, Behold, he shall come up like a lion from the swelling of Jordan. Like a lion, right? Um, that's interesting. Jesus Christ is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. And what's Lucifer called? A roaring lion. Isn't that weird? He copycats everything the Lord does. Uh, God's a king. And what shows up in Revelation? King with kingdoms. The Bible's all about the king and his kingdom. Satan copycats everything God does. God has a clean spirit and he has a spirit in you, and the devil has an unclean spirit and unclean spirits. Uh, like I already mentioned to you, there's a devil and devils. There's the Son of God and sons of God. He copycats everything God does. We'll see as we continue through Revelation that Jesus Christ has a bride and a church, and the devil has a bride and a church. A church. Deep stuff, man. All right, so keep going here in Psalm, uh, Jeremiah 49, 19. And it says, uh, look down there halfway through, uh, but I will suddenly make him run away from her. Now watch this. And who is a chosen man that I may appoint over her? For who is like me? And who will appoint me the time? And who is that shepherd that will stand before me? Look at Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 44. Halfway down again, and who is a chosen man that I may appoint over her? For who is like me? And who will appoint me the time? And who is that shepherd that will stand before me? Ain't that wild? You know what God looks for? God looks for somebody who's going to be like him. Your, your, your thing is to be like Jesus Christ. That's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be like your Savior. Appoint me the time. You, you should put your life and the times of your life into the hands of God. Hear me? Yeah, I, don't care what, I don't care what it is, what God's called you to do or anything else. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. So who is like me? Who will appoint me the time? That's a great question. Is there anybody like God? You know what's a funny thing is there's no one like Him. And over there in Revelation chapter 13, they're saying, who's like the beast? He's trying to mimic everything there is about God. That's a little bit of a scary thought. He's the idle shepherd. I showed you that last time. Do you remember that? And it's spelled I-D-O-L. Interestingly enough, go to John chapter 10. The idle shepherd. And of course the King James Bible gets it wrong and people have to correct the Lord and change it to I-D-L-E and whatever. But it's I-D-O-L on purpose. John chapter 10. Here's a great passage. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers." This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what, uh, what things, but they understood, yeah, not what things they were which he spake unto them. 
Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto, thee, unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal. He wants to steal the Lord's identity and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. See that? And the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. Now don't forget that, because we're going to look at some more passages in a little bit. That's going to really spell that out for you. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. So the hireling cometh, and he comes in, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. You know what a Bible-believing preacher is? He's a sheep in wolf's clothing. <laughs> That's what a Bible-believing preacher is. Boy, they get up and preach the Bible. I, I heard one, one preacher say it this way, and I think it was the best way. I believe it was Dr. Ruckman. And he said it like this. He said, you don't have to worry about the guy that growls and stomps and pounds and yells at you and preaches the Bible and spits and snores. You don't have to worry about that guy. That guy's giving you everything he's got. He's telling you exactly what he thinks, and he's telling it just like it is, and he ain't worried about what your opinion is of him. He's not trying to get anything out of you. He's telling you the truth. He said, what you've got to worry about, what, what you worry about is that slick-talking, smooth, sweet guy. That's a little slimy. You don't know what his angle is. Preachers come across like wolves, but what they are is sheep in wolves' clothing. But the wolf in sheep clothing, he comes across real sweet, like he's Jesus, like he's here to help you, like he's all that about, all about you, and he's actually a wolf. And what the wolf will do is because he's looking for money, he's a hireling, he'll flee. He'll run, boy. He'll run quick. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 3. I want you to see something about this. Uh, what I want you to understand, and I, I really think it's important for you to get this, and it's a little bit of a, a, a sidebar here, but it's important to get a hold of. Uh, the false prophet's coming up in this chapter, and we're looking at the Antichrist right now. And he's a, he's a weird one because he comes across so much like Jesus Christ. It's funny to me that the major seminaries across this country teach you that the one that comes conquering and to conquer. They even sing a song, Conquering now and still to conquer, rideth the king in his might, leaving the host of all the faithful into the midst of the fight. Uh, it's a little bit scary because they're taking that passage over there that's the Antichrist with the bow that we talked about earlier. And I think they're using that verse to apply to Jesus Christ because the major seminaries will tell you that's Jesus Christ coming, but that's not Christ coming, that's the Antichrist coming. He looks so much like Jesus Christ, he'll fool you. And he's religious, and he's political. I watched a 30-minute interview yesterday that, boy, it was interesting, man. i got to go back and watch it about 10 more times before I figure it out. As the, the number one prince of Saudi Arabia, when his dad dies, he's going to be the guy. And he was sitting there talking to, was it Brett or something like that, some Fox News guys? Man, boy, I'm telling you, man, there is something there. You know the two most holy places in Islam are in Saudi Arabia? The number one and number two most holy places in Islam. Now, we'll get to it when we get to the false prophet a little bit, but man, there's something there, boy. That boy, that boy is 38 years old and brilliant. I mean, he is brilliant. 
He, the way, I mean, like, Brett got him one time and got him good, and I forget what it was about. It had something having to do with America. It was Brett's, is it Brett? Did I get the name right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Fox News, is he a Fox News guy, right? Um, he got him once, and I saw the setup coming. I was like, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. Ow, we got him. I knew he was going to get him. But it had nothing to do with world events. He was asking him all about world events and religious stuff and all the rest of that. That one had to do with America, and Brett, I mean, he, he stuttered for a second, and he kind of had to catch himself. He was pretty human in the moment. The rest of that didn't seem too human, man. He was real good. But in the moment, you, his humanity came out, and he stumbled and caught himself and was watching, and they were doing a little bit of chess, you know what I mean? It was a little bit of strategy back and forth, and then he pulled out of it and answered okay, but Brett got what he wanted out of him, but it was a political America agenda, and I, and I don't even remember exactly, but you can go watch it. It's pretty interesting. All that whole thing leading up to that, man, uh, we'll get into it more later. Uh, man, it is scary. He's all about the money, man. And he's doing, he's doing a great job for Saudi Arabia. And he's working real hard on bringing peace over there in the Middle East and standing up for the Palestinians and working very close to getting a deal done between Israel and the Palestinians. And they're getting closer and closer all the time. And he said it over and over and over again. It's about the money. It's about the money. It's about the money. Basically is what he's saying. He's a brilliant guy. Every time they hit a goal that Saudi Arabia sets, he makes another goal. And he says, how long, all the, all the people that work for you, all the princes and the ministers that work in your uh, whatever, he said, they say you're working pretty hard. He said, well, I guess I do. He said, you keep pushing. What do you, what do, you do when you hit your goals? He said, we never hit our goals because as soon as we hit them, we move the goalpost. And boy, he's doing a great job. But I'm telling you what it's all about is the money. He's trying to bring peace. He's trying to soften the aggressiveness of Islam and trying to bring peace over there in the Middle East. And then there's one more department that they got to bring in, and that's the Roman Catholic Church. It's a pretty wild thing, but there's a spirit moving in this world, and it's a religious spirit, and it's a political spirit. And you got to be aware of that because it's extremely demonic. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, he says, um, nope, this isn't the one I wanted. Mark 3, 11, I'm sorry. Go to Mark 3. Mark 3, verse 11. Now watch this about unclean spirits. It says in uh, Mark 3.11, And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. You mean an unclean spirit can bow down and worship Jesus Christ? And they can confess that he's the son of God, not saved at all. That's a wild thing, isn't it? Go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And they come over on the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs, there met him out of the tombs, a man with, watch it. Now watch this. This is wild. An unclean spirit. See it? Okay. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and <laughs> what? 
and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjire thee by God that thou torment me not. And he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. I thought he said, An unclean spirit. Come out of him, thou unclean spirit. What's your name, spirit? Oh, I'm a whole bunch of them. My name's Legion, for we are many. You mean there was hundreds of unclean spirits in this one man? So an unclean spirit's different from UFOs or sons of God or whatever else you're seeing. These extraterrestrials are talking about this is a different department. And they can be as small as a fly or as small as a flea. We'll get into it in a little bit, but Beelzebub, Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies. In the Old Testament, he's Beelzebub. In the New Testament, it's Baal. It's Beelzebub. The Lord of the Flies. Ain't that weird? You know what flies love? They're unclean things, man. They're on everything unclean. You know what this world, listen to me, and I'm going to show you. I'll show you. We'll go on through here. You know what this world is full of? This country, this country that you're in right now, the United States of America. You know what it is full of? Unclean spirits. You know what people are full of? Unclean spirits. Now they get into this whole thing. Can a saved person be possessed or oppressed? And now this is a huge one that's so divisive. It's almost as divisive as divorce, but we let the Bible define the Bible. You better believe a Christian can be full of unclean spirits. How's that possible? You ain't never heard of the circumcision of the spirit, the circumcision made without hands? You, you, can, you can, as a born-again Christian, the devil can inhabit your flesh just like sin can. If a born-again Christian can be a heroin addict, a homosexual, a fornicator, an adulterer, or anything else, you don't think, well, I mean, what's the difference between that? Well, we can commit those sins. You are that. You're a sinner. It's not just stuff you commit. That's what you are. In me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Your flesh is rotten. I mean rotten. Your flesh wants everything God doesn't want it to have, and your flesh doesn't want to do what God wants it to do. So, I mean, I don't understand. See, see, here's the thing about it. You start teaching a doctrine like this, and people say, he said saved people can be possessed. You haven't met some of the saved people I've met. <laughs> yes, they can be. Why does that aggravate you? Why is that uncomfortable? Why does that bother you? Why would a saved person get offended if they don't have them in them? What difference would it make? Unclean spirits are, are, are a dangerous thing, and they're a subtle thing. It's like flies bugging you. They'll affect your thoughts. You ever see the fiery darts of the wicked? You know the devil can't necessarily read your mind. God can. He can sure inject thoughts into it. I'm telling you right now, he can put thoughts in your head. You'll not be thinking about any something that happened 20 or 30 years ago or some sin you used to be addicted to or whatever else. You won't think about it for a week long. And then you'll kneel down to pray and start getting serious about praying and randomly something from 20 years ago come back in your head. Or something that you never were guilty of. You're going to tell me that's that's not an unclean spirit. And then, he, you know, you start feeling guilty like you did that. But as a thought put in your mind, the devil can do that. The devil can put all kinds of thoughts in people's minds. I mean, you open up that device and you're rolling through that device and you're just you're looking at something innocent, right? And then there's advertisements and there's commercials and there's whatever else and it's coming at you 24-7. He's trying to constantly... It's unclean spirits. They bug you. They bother you. They swarm all over you. They drive you crazy. 
You realize what's in the air right now? Satan's the prince and the power of what? You know what's in the air right now, right now in this room? You know what's go through this air? You realize you can tune into anything you want if you've got the right receptor? All it takes is the right receptor. I'll never forget 20-something years ago now, Brother Lentz was telling me this in his office. He said, you got to understand, man, this is long before smartphones. I think I had a little blue flip phone. Uh, I think texting had just started back then, and we hardly ever did it because it was, like, expensive. Every text that went out was, was racking up a bill. You guys remember that? And he sat there and said, there's all kinds of stuff going through this room. There's all kinds of stuff going through you and through me right now. And all you got to do to tune, tune into it, I mean, all kinds of wickedness, all kinds of wicked, ungodly songs, all kinds of pornography, all kinds of whatever else running through this air right now. All you got to do is have the right receiver to tune into it. And then you just get those antennas up back in that day. My grandparents used to have the antennas and they'd move them. And they'd put styrofoam on them. You guys remember that? Yeah. I remember going over to their house to watch TV and being so upset when it would be fuzzy, you know. You just got to have the right receiver. Boy, we've come a long way. That's why I'm telling you this nation's full of unclean spirits and so are the people. We've come a long way, man. You tune into anything right here in your hand. And we're tuning into that more than we're even tuning into God. And look at the effects of it. Look what happens. He's got his dwelling where? Where does he dwell in verse 3? You know what unclean, thing, unclean spirits love? Dead things. You guys remember, I think it was two weeks ago maybe that I mentioned, or maybe three weeks ago now, I measured that, uh, that uh, missionary, uh, um, uh, John, uh, he went to the New Hebrides Islands. Patton, John Patton, I believe it was. When his, when his wife and son died when he went there, you know what he had to do? He had to sleep on their graves because the natives were going to dig up the bodies and eat them. Unclean spirits. Unclean spirits love dead things. I think this is a great, very timely message right now. You know why? We're almost to October. Seriously. I'm not going to tell you what to do or not do. I don't care if you celebrate Christmas and all the rest of that stuff. Don't even ask me about putting up Halloween stuff at church. And don't even ask me about a kid's candy night to replace Halloween. No. Your little brats will live without more poison. All the other kids could think I'll get candy, then buy them some candy. We would buy our kids ice cream and say, here, this is better than anything they're going to give you. You know, I'm like, forget it. But, but look, look, don't even ask me. No way. I, I, it blows my mind that churches now feel obligated to replace a demonic holiday. Excuse me, devilish holiday. I don't understand that. I don't understand what spirit that is that would encourage Bible-believing churches to give them a good replacement for a devilish holiday. I'll give them a good replacement. Open up your Bibles. Let me show you what's going on. A nation obsessed with death. It's an unclean spirit. And it's funny to me that now Halloween is becoming one of the biggest holidays of the year. You got adults dressing up and going to Halloween parties that's supposedly for kids. It's an unclean spirit that's obsessed with death. And that's what this man is doing. And no man could bind him. So when somebody's got an unclean spirit, they got excessive strength. No, not with chains. It's superhuman. Doesn't mean if you fellows lift weights and get stronger than the next guy that you got an unclean spirit. Right? That's biology. It works. This guy, when you put chains on him, he was superhuman in his strength. He could snap those chains. 
And look at verse 4. Because that he had often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. He's wild. You ever see these guys on the news, and they're, they're, they're tasing them, and they're doing everything else to them, and they can't, they can't tame them, they can't control them? Got ridiculous power? I'll guarantee you that's unclean spirits. You say, oh no, he's just on drugs. Well, what do you think drugs are besides witchcraft? That's why I'm against them. I'm against them. No, I'm not for legalized marijuana. I'm not for you smoking pot at all. Not at all. I'm not for it. I'm against it. You know why? It's a drug. Then the argument is, well, it's natural. It comes out of the ground. Well, there's something that comes out of you and should come out of you daily if you're healthy that's natural too. You're going to just consume that as well? Excuse my crudeness, but you'll never forget the point now, okay? You'll remember that the rest of your life. <laughs> That's the dumbest argument I ever heard in my life. So is opium. It's natural. Heroin, cocaine. It's all natural. What do you think witchcraft is? I've seen them. I've seen them with my own two eyes. I've seen them. Like, I've seen the witches making their potions, and I've seen the little girl sitting outside in the alleyway afterwards because she went to our service in Haiti, and she got punished by her voodoo witch aunt, punished for coming to the church to hear the American preachers preach the gospel, and she's sitting out in the street rocking back and forth holding her stomach because she got poisoned by her aunt. Make her sick as a dog, diarrhea and vomiting. Because she, and you know what she used? Natural stuff. Give me a stupid natural argument. God made every seed of the herb, every seed of the field, man. Yeah, you know enough Bible to blow your brains out with it. That's about all you know. That's the stupidest stuff I ever heard in my life. It makes me mad because I've seen the effects of that stuff. And I'm telling you right now, that stuff will open you up for unclean spirits like nothing else will. Drugs are wicked. You think people that are on drugs and see stuff that they're crazy. They're not crazy. They've just got the right receptors. They're seeing stuff. Of course they're seeing stuff. It makes you think you, you ever turn on music after you get high. Don't shake your heads or raise your hands or nothing. You ever turn on music after you get high? Isn't that weird? You know, some people say, I get more out of my Bible, man. I'll bet you do, demon. I'll bet you're seeing stuff in that book you weren't seeing before. I mean, the Spirit of God can't teach you the Bible. Now, I'm not, I'm not mad. I just think it's important to say this stuff. You need to understand the seriousness of what you're dealing with. All right, so you get superhuman strength. Look at verse 5, and always night and day. So unclean spirits and demonic people don't have to wait till dark to come out. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. But a demonic spirit, a, a devilish spirit, an unclean spirit will come out day and night. They don't care what time it is or isn't. He was in the mountains. They like high places. Going to get what? Let's go get high, right? He's in the mountains. That's weird. This obsession with getting into outer space. It's unclean. God doesn't want you out there. God wants you on the planet. You know, you could spend your entire life researching this planet and learning about this planet. I was talking to a gentleman here this morning from Australia. And we were talking out there, and I, I recognized his accent. I said, where are you from? He said, Australia. I said, so you know about them tree kangaroos? He goes, oh, yeah, man. We started talking about uh, tree kangaroos, regular kangaroos, koalas, and all the rest of that stuff. Pretty neat conversation. You know, there's a lot in this world that you ain't never seen that will just intrigue your mind. And you can go ahead and study it, and it's clean, and it's pure, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and it's exciting, and it'll get your mind busy on good, clean stuff. Why are you worrying about outer space? Uh, it's an unclean spirit. But this nation's obsessed with it. The world's obsessed with it. It ain't the spirit of God. It's the spirit of Antichrist that's in the world already. 
All right, he's crying, he's cutting himself. See that? He's in the tombs crying and cutting himself. Two things on that. Obsessive, hear me, obsessive depression. Constantly crying. Something is wrong. You do understand we all go through those phases in life where you get depressed and all that kind of thing. And I recognize that not everybody is demon-possessed, devil-possessed. I realize there's chemical imbalances and there's all kinds of things. So don't go out of here starting to label people because you heard this message and now you think you're a psychologist. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just saying excessive crying, excessive depression, always miserable, night and day, and then self-destructive. Cutting himself, cutting himself, cutting himself. Well, isn't the Lord supposed to give you joy? Right? Isn't that one of the fruits of the Spirit? So if you're struggling with that stuff, maybe you have to ask God to help you out. Because there are ways that those, those spirits get in your mind and get in your heart and trouble you, bother you, keep you down, keep you depressed, keep you discouraged, beat you up constantly, beat you up about your past, beat you up about your failures, beat you up about something somebody else did to you, and just constantly keeping you depressed. What in the world's keeping you thinking about well, the last church where you got offended? You ever notice people get offended at church, they're always offended at the next church? <laughs> Well, why, why, why? If that didn't happen here, if we didn't do it to you, then why are you obsessing about what happened at the last church? Let it go. Be like my grandma. She laid on her deathbed, wasting away from cancer, dying a painful death, and she was singing her favorite song. We got there before, uh, before she passed away. We were standing out in the hallway, and my mom stopped us and made us back up. She said, wait here and listen. We were sitting in the hallway listening. The door was open. She was laying on her deathbed, singing his eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And she would go, she would go, <laughs> she was in pain. And then she, I sing because I'm happy. <laughs> I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. She couldn't sing worth a lick, but it was beautiful. And then you're crying and complaining because what? Maybe, maybe there's something bothering you that shouldn't be bothering you. Maybe you got the wrong spirits in control of your mind. This man's crying, and notice something else he's doing. He's cutting himself. You ever notice these kids cutting themselves now? That's an unclean spirit. That's not natural. Now, we're going to talk about the mark of the beast. I told you the cat likes to mark trees, and a bear likes to mark trees, and a lion marks to mark trees. And I showed you that trees are a type of men in the Bible. So if somebody gets a bad spirit, an unclean spirit, a spirit of Antichrist, a spirit that's troubling them, they'll start. And you got all these kids in this country right now. That's one of the things they do to express their frustration, to express their pain, to get attention. To, they have all kinds of reasons, but a scriptural reason for that is you got a bad spirit. you got some bad spirits going on. Now, it's a scriptural reason for you. Now, I'm not, not beating up on you. I'm not harping on you. I'm just saying the devil likes to mark his people up. All right, uh, verse uh, 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Ain't that a trip? So an unclean spirit can worship Jesus Christ, can recognize who he is and bow down before him and worship, and he believed on him. I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? He knew who Jesus was. 
So just because somebody's always saying Jesus this and Jesus that and God this and God that and yeah, I'm a believer, doesn't mean anything. The devils believe and tremble. So some of you get into these situations where you're trying to witness to people and, they, and you tell them, oh yeah, he's a believer and, I, and forgive me when I don't believe it. I don't just buy it. I don't disbelieve it either. Say, oh yeah, he's a, he's a good Christian, he's a believer, or she's a good Christian girl, she's a believer. I'm like, okay, so that means nothing to me. Uh, I, I'd like to find out how they got saved. When did you get saved? Do you know what being saved means? Did somebody show you the truth of the scriptures, or did the Lord just convict your heart with time, and you realize you're a sinner on your way to hell, and Jesus Christ died on the cross to save sinners, and without his blood you're not going to heaven, and you ask him to save you? I mean, you don't have, they don't have to know everything there is to know about the gospel. You understand that, right? They don't have to get all the deep doctrines and he descended and then he put your sins in hell and he rose the third day. They just got to know they're a sinner on their way to hell and Jesus died to save sinners and they need Jesus to save them and ask Jesus to save them. But just because they bow and worship Jesus or just because they're in a religious service where they're worshiping Jesus means nothing to me. Nothing at all. Back to Revelation chapter 13. Look at the next verse, verse 5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. So how long is forty and two months? Three and a half years, right? Interesting. All right, so he's got, there's, there's a, given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. I got a bunch of passages here, but um, for the sake of time, I'm going to cut them back here. Go with me to, uh, let's go to Matthew 26. I want to define blasphemy. Matthew 26. We'll get a definition for blasphemy. So we know that according to other passages I could show you that the abomination of desolation sets up there and speaks blasphemous things in the temple, right? Let me show you how to define blasphemy. Matthew 26. This is going to probably blow some of your minds a little bit. If you've never seen it before, it'll, it'll for sure, I think, lighten you up a little bit. Uh, Matthew twenty six sixty three, But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered, and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto thee, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need we... Have we of any witnesses? What further need have we of any witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They said he's guilty of death. So according to the high priest in Matthew 26, what is blasphemy? It's a man claiming he's God. You see the definition? What further need have we? Why? Because he said he's God. He's spoken blasphemy. Well, what did he say? He said, are thou the Son of God? He said, I'm Jesus, the Son of God. So when a man claims he's God, that's blasphemy. Look at another passage. Go to uh, John chapter 10. That's why it's blasphemous when you take God's name in vain. I think, it's, I think you're just acting like, he's, like you're equals. Your kids walk up and call you Mike. Well, no, I mean, your name's not Mike, but my kids don't walk up and say, hey, Mike. Never, never, never. No way, they wouldn't. They'd be like, <laughs> you think I want to die? That's dad. They don't walk up to my wife and say, hey, Grace. I mean, if you do, I know the culture's changed and all that stuff. I'm not harping on you. I'm just saying, no. Why? 
because I'm dad and that's mom. We're not equals. You should start taking, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, like for no reason. Like, I mean, you're just taking them awful lightly. That's a real fine line there. You better be real, real careful about that stuff. John chapter 10, look at verse 33. Jesus, the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work, work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. Now they define it. And because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Okay, so there's blasphemy for you. Oh, look at uh, Revelation chapter 2. I'll show you a little bit of a different definition here. Biblical definitions of blasphemy. This one's somebody claiming to be something they're not. Revelation chapter 2, look at verse 9. I know thy works, and tribulation, and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. See that? So these guys are pretending to be something they're not. That's a definition for blasphemy. Go, at, go to uh, John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Look at verse 11. And now I am no more in this war in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. See it? Keep through thy, thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Jesus is praying, and what does Jesus call God? Holy Father. You know what's interesting to me? What shows up in the very next verse? While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but who? You mean right on the heels of Jesus calling his father, Holy Father, the SOP, the son of perdition shows up. The one Jesus handed a sop to. Remember I told you your King James Bible gives you the word sop, and that labels who's the Antichrist, and what's coming back in the future is the spirit that's in Judas. Jesus said, one of you is a devil. That's weird. And then he went to his own place and he's coming back up in the tribulation period when this Antichrist gets killed. The idle shepherd I showed you last time gets wounded with the sword in his right eye and his right arm and gets wiped out there and then gets a spirit enters into him and raises him from the dead. And the man of sin becomes the son of perdition. And they're worshiping him as though he's Jesus because he dies and gets resurrected. But the spirit that resurrects him is a copycat. It's not the real right spirit. It's a spirit from, of Judas. It's a spirit of Antichrist that enters in a man, into a man who is a king, who sits on a throne, who's religious, who claims to worship God. Wild stuff. And right after the Lord Jesus Christ uses the word Holy Father, the son of perdition shows up. The guy sent out a text this week to a group of us. And, uh, and was, a, was that you that sent it? The recipe? Jesse? Yeah. yeah. And in the recipe it said uh, something about the sauce. And it said uh, this is great for uh, uh, sauce for sopping up with your bread or something like that. Yeah. And he said, wow, look at that. The King James Bible is so archaic. It was a modern re recipe he saw online. He screenshotted it to us. Well, they changed that in your new Bibles because, of course, you can't understand what a sop is, but the Lord is trying to show you it's the son of perdition. Go to Matthew chapter 23, verse 9. We're still looking at blasphemy. Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 9. 
Wild stuff, man. What you're looking at is Judas coming back to life. Matthew chapter 23, verse 9. Look at this. And call no man your father on earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Call no man your father on earth, for one is your father. Which Now, what in the world do you do with that? When you claim to be a, a, a religious leader... And you let everybody call you father. Nothing gives me the creeps more than when somebody knows I'm a pastor, you know, a minister or whatever, and they don't know nothing. They, they're not mean it wrong. And they say, father, would you move? Like, I'm not your father, bro, okay? Like, I'm not old enough to be your father. Don't want to be your father. I don't look like you. You don't look like me. I ain't your daddy, all right? Don't call me father. Like, and I don't do that to them because I know that they don't mean it that way. But it just, like, well, I'm not a priest. What, you know, no, I mean, I'm a pastor. I don't mind pastor. I don't mind preacher. I don't mind brother Mike. I don't want to be called father. Why? Well, because I just showed you some verses of blasphemy is defined as somebody taking God's place, claiming that he's God. When Jesus prayed, he said, Holy Father, when he was talking to the Holy Father. And right on the heels of that is the son of perdition showing up. And Jesus commanded you not to call any man your father, but you got a bunch of people. Now, does anybody know of any religion where there's a holy father? You got your local fathers and your local churches, and then there's the holy father. That's blasphemous. Because that's a man. He's a man. He's going to die if you didn't look at him. He looks like he's got one foot in the grave and the other one on a banana peel. You know what I mean? He's about out. That's a man. Sorry, that was terrible. That's a man. And you'll call him Holy Father? I don't care if he worships. Unclean spirits worship. I don't care if he claims to believe in the Son of God. Unclean spirits believe in the Son of God. I don't care about all that stuff. I care about the fact that he violates the truth of the Scriptures and does so for the purpose of money to get the richest, the richest church in the world is the Roman Catholic Church. They're all about your money. That's why they tell you not to use birth control. You know that? You understand that? That's all about money. Why? Grow in the church, man. If you can't use birth control, you have to let God plan your family. Their big thing about abortion, it doesn't have nothing to do with babies. That's how they manipulate your mind and tug on your heartstrings. It's not about babies. It's their stance about making sure that we have as many as we can. That's the same way the Muslims do it. They got an impotent God, so they got to rely on man's uh, 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 fertility <laughs> because they, they don't have a powerful gospel to win souls. The Muslims do the same thing. He can have up to what, three wives or something like that, and multiple families? You guys know what's going on in Mexico, Roman Catholic nation? You know how, how it's a very, I mean, if you haven't been there, you could talk to Leeksy. A very common, well-known thing is that those Mexican man, men have multiple families. Good Roman Catholics, you know. <laughs> Isn't that wild? And why are they not putting an end to that? Well, because they just got more kids in the, in the church. I'm telling you, um, excuse me for a minute. This is Mike Reagan speaking to you, okay? But more's going on in those wars than what you think. You're blasting those Orthodox out of Ukraine into those Roman Catholic nations. And then you wonder why the Pope's quiet about it. Not doing everything he can. Anyways, 2 Peter, please, if you would. 2 Peter in your Bibles, First and 2 Peter, First, Second, 3 John, Jude, Revelation. 
2 Peter. So the Antichrist comes, he comes with blasphemies, he comes speaking great swelling words, claiming that he's God. That's blasphemy, a man equal God. He's called Holy Father. We looked last time at how they bend and kiss his ring. He's an unclean spirit in him. And he gets his power from Lucifer himself, 2 Peter chapter 2, but the, but verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words, see that? Make merchandise of you, they're making money. Whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. They're coming in with damnable heresies and pernicious words. I think it's a damnable heresy if you call a man your father when God, Jesus Christ himself, said not to call any man your father. I think it's a damnable heresy if you tell people to, uh, uh, that they're not allowed to marry. I'll show you. Uh, here's why it's a damnable heresy. Turn to First Peter chapter three, um, First Timothy chapter three. Almost done for today. I got more for you, but we'll we'll wrap it up for today. First Timothy chapter three. They tell their priests not to marry. What I'm trying to show you is that Antichrist is pretty clearly going to be the Pope, pretty clear, and he's got a wicked spirit. And he's blasphemous. We'll get to his number in a little bit and show you the number on their hat and all the rest of that stuff that they do. He sits in his seat as though he's God, ex-cathedra ex, ex on earth. He's going to eventually move from Rome to Jerusalem and he's going to enter the temple and sit down on that temple and claim that he's God, which is blasphemous. And he's going to claim to be worshiping God and ask you to worship him. He's a religious leader. He's a king. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and uh, verse number 2. A, a bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife. You know why he said that to him? Because back in that day, polygamy was common. And God's got a New Testament going on. When God originally created man, he gave him one wife and her to him for life. That's all. That's enough. You can't even handle the one you've got, man. You lost your mind if you want more. Really. You spend your life trying to learn how to be a good husband. And you don't start kind of figuring it out until you're too old to really just be that, you know, great anyways, you know. You're like, huh? back when you're young and, and, you know, can take her out and show her a good time, you know, you're an idiot. And then when you get old enough to take her out and tell her a good time, by 7.30 you're falling asleep, you know what I mean? It's like, that's all you can do to handle one wife. And he's spelling it out here that a bishop's supposed to be the husband of one wife. Listen to me. You're going to go to a guy, call him father, and confess your sins. He's got to swear an oath of celibacy that he can't have a wife, and then he's going to sit there and ask you all about your secret sins. And then you wonder why he's full of unclean spirits. Not to mention he's violating the Bible all the way through the whole thing, ignoring the Word of God. You cannot go and get the education that they get. You guys realize the size of their colleges and their universities and seminaries and all the rest of that stuff dwarfs all the Bible believers, all the evangelicals, all the Southern Baptists. You realize it dwarfs us. And the education level that they get, they're not dumb. They're just stupid. Those are two different things. That they don't know at some point they're violating Scripture and they make a choice to follow the church regardless of what the Bible says. It says he's to be the husband of one wife. God wants a preacher to be married. 
uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. That doesn't mean if a guy loses his wife, he's got to resign the church and all that stuff. I'm just making a point. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. See that? Seducing spirits. They seduce you. That's that flattery that the Antichrist speaks with in Daniel. He comes in with flatteries. It's seducing. That's why a Bible-believing preacher says, when you look at a Bible-believing preacher, you see a sheep in wolves' clothing. I don't know why he talks like that. He's not the guy you've got to be afraid of. When you sit down and you've got some smooth-talking, slick, sweet, salesman effeminate, gentle, Satan has a silver tongue, man. That's a seducing spirit. And doctrines of devils. You mean the devils teach doctrine? Yep. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. What a hypocritical lie for a wicked man who's, who's got all kinds of evil, wicked, ungodly, unclean spirits in him committing atrocious acts behind closed doors to let you call him father. To let you come confess your sins to him when he knows what a pervert he is. Don't kid me. Uh, don't kid me. We got people in our church that got saved because uh, literally, and it took a long time to reach them. A long time to reach them. Because as a little girl in the Catholic church, she knew what a pervert the priest was. Sleeping with, with married women in the church. Common knowledge. And she just thought, my goodness, if a man of God's doing stuff like that, yeah, and then come confess your sins to me and I'll forgive you your sins. You hypocritical lying. Your conscience is so seared representing God knowing you're not giving him the truth. That's a, that's a biggest bunch of lie you ever heard in your life, man. It's wicked. Now look at the next verse. Forbidding to marry. Come on, man. Really? And they follow him as a religious leader. And he tells them they can't get married. That's, that's what the priests can't get married. And commanding to abstain from meats. <laughs> Anybody know a religion that does that? Isn't that wild? I mean, folks, how can you miss it? Which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So what you got, I'm telling you right now, go back to Revelation if you would. I'm telling you right now what you're dealing with is uh, the Pope here. Oh, i got a couple more verses. I'm looking at them to see if I even want to go there. Yeah, look at Revelation 17.1. There came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show thee unto the, ju the, the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth hath committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. You know what the kings of the earth? You see, anybody know the kings of the earth? Watch the kings of the earth deal with some kind of a religious leader that drinks wine in their religious services? What blew my mind is I was at a Baptist college, a Baptist college, distinctly Baptist college, and one of my professors, we believe the TR, one of my professors got up and said, it's not wrong for you to use alcoholic fermented wine in the Lord's Supper. 
I, I was like, I did not just hear that. Sir, did you just say what I thought you said? Don't make an issue out of it. Well, I told Grace, and Grace told her dad, and dad called the office screaming and yelling and got me in all kinds of trouble, and then I went from there. I, I left before I got kicked out, but no, really, no, really. I was like, I'll fire you. You're not firing me. I left before I got kicked out. I went and found me a little Bible institute in a little country church up in the mountains where a Vietnam vet that knew life and knew God and saw God get a hold of him and change him and clean him up, make a huge difference in him, learned to preach and teach the Bible and started all over again. What a blessing, man. Thank God for it. Look at Revelation 18, verse 3. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich to the abundance of her delicacies. Revelation uh, verse th- uh, thir- uh, 18.9, The kings of the earth have committed fornication and live deliciously with her, shall bewail her and lament her, for they shall see the smoke of her burning. So this is connected to a church. Uh, back to Revelation chapter 13. He opens up his mouth, he speaks blasphemies against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, and then that dwell in heaven. Verse 7, it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So he's, he's got, that's that leper, that's that integration. He's got power to rule. He's trying to wipe out the saints. If you don't receive his mark, he's going to bring you into that temple and you'll be offered, not you, you'll be gone. The people that are here, if they won't receive his mark, he brings them into the temple and offers them as a sacrifice on the altar to the Antichrist himself. They'll cut off his head, cut off their hand. Why? By refusing to receive his mark. Isn't that wild stuff? And he's got power over, uh, power is given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. It blows my mind every time I see, every time I see the Pope, being bowed to by religious, but political leaders all over the world. It blows my mind. I mean, what in the world, man? We're all over here. We're all about separation of church and state and all that stuff. Why are religious leaders kissing up to this guy? Why has he got so much power? Well, I'll tell you where he gets his power from. Do you know what that church actually teaches? If you're not in that church, you're damned. Americans don't, know, Americans don't know the Catholic Church or Catholic doctrine. If you're not in that church, you're damned. That's what they teach. All you people on your way to hell because you're not Roman Catholic, according to them. Now, come on, man. How politically correct is that? See, he's lying. He's lying. And so is the Muslims. They're lying more and more. And that's what, that's what makes me think we're getting closer and closer to the coming of Jesus Christ is the way you've got such a strong dogmatic stand. Nobody knows about it. Nobody cares about it. Nobody looks into this stuff. And yet they're starting to play kissy face with each other, man. They're getting closer and closer. I'm telling you, it's coming soon. I mean, I think it's coming real soon. I think it'll be absolutely great. The more I watched the news and see that stuff going on, man, I was like, I was looking at that Saudi prince and I was thinking, man, I wonder if he's, I wonder if this guy's a false prophet. That'd be cool. That'd be great. I mean, he's got the smooth talk. He's got the love of money, like Balaam. He's got it all, man. 
He's got, he's, got, he's got all the ingredients, from what I can tell, that would make a perfect false prophet. To just, just to schmooze up to the Antichrist, to kind of bring in a fake peace with Israel, because he's really very pro-Palestinian. So bring in a fake peace with Israel, get together with the Catholic Church, trying to change the image of Islam, and we're trying to change our mark that we made on the world, and the image that we have, and we want you to view us differently, and you gotta, can't hold our past against us. And we're trying to, He's trying to mesh that stuff together, man. That's exactly what's going to happen for a little while. It's exciting. You know why? Because we're out of here before it. Well, done in verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth, of the world. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. That's what he wants. This is the Antichrist, folks. This is the beast that comes up, and he's being bowed to and worshiped as though he's Christ. While he's a mass murderer. Smooth talking boy. Hi, how are you today? It's really nice to see you. Hi, how are you? Come on, sit right this way. Nice to see you. Could care less about gutting you alive. He wants to be worshipped. Verse 9, if any man have an ear, let him hear. Don't you love the way God says that? That's a brutal message, man. You realize what he's saying? You realize how wicked this thing is and how terrible it is? And then his response is, if you want to listen, listen. My daughter told that young lady yesterday, she said, uh, the lady said, it's my soul, I'll do what I want with it. And my daughter said, you're absolutely right. It's your soul and you can do whatever you want with it. Have a nice life. (laughs) And that's exactly how God sees it. You want to hear the truth? Here it is. I love this song. I'm done right here. I love this song. Here's a man that knew a lot about a pretty evil spirit, you know, uh, Martin Luther. Did you guys know Jesus appeared to Martin Luther? Did you guys know that? How many of you knew Jesus appeared to Martin Luther? Heard that before. All right, a couple of you. Martin Luther sat up in bed, and Jesus was there and said, Hey, Martin, something to the effect of, Hey, Martin, you're doing a great job with your translations and all that stuff. He grabbed an inkwell and threw an inkwell at him. They say you can still see the mark on the wall in his room. He said, you ain't Jesus. He ain't working like that in this time. And he grabbed that thing and whipped it. He said he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God and whipped an inkwell at the apparition that appeared to him. You talk a man about a man that knew something about the, the third dimension, knew something about unclean spirits. The reformer, you understand history, right? You know what was going on in the world back then. You know how bad it was. And he's fighting the Roman Catholic Church, fighting the Pope, running for his life while they're trying to kill him. And translating the Bible, trying to get a Bible into the hands of the common man. He knew a little something about unclean spirits. And I'm here to tell you, in the generation you're living in, and the more you try to clean up, I'm telling you, I'm not trying to be depress you, I'm telling you, the more you try to clean up and do right, the more you're going to feel it. It's a dirty world you're in, and it's getting dirtier by the day. And saved people are dirty. That's sad. And this man knew a little bit of something about that. And then he pens down the song, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. 
For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not as equal. Did we in our own strength confide? You better not. You better not. Something as small as a flea will get in your mind and mess you up. Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side. <laughs> the man of God's own choosing. Dusk ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath is his name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled, he knew his Bible, didn't he? Should threaten to undo us. We will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindreds go. Man, John Patton laid on the grave of his wife and kid. Think he knew a little something about evil spirits so they wouldn't eat his dead family? Let goods and kindreds go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. That's quite a good song, man. I'd like you to find me something written like that nowadays from one of these goofballs that lives in their mama's basement, you know, and stinking addicted to the, to the internet, writing something like that. That's a powerful song. Aren't you glad you got a mighty fortress in God? Amen. You know what's wild about this thing? All these people that are casting out devils and all the rest of that stupid stuff, you know, and they debate them and argue with them and all that kind of weird stuff. You know what the Lord said? Again, the guy with the coming unclean spirits, he says, come out. Boom, just like that. And then he asks him a question. That legion came out, and then the Lord's talking to him after he's out of the guy. And he says, we're a legion for we're many, and then they ask for the pigs. You remember that? And he says, yeah, go ahead and go into the pigs. The second God said, come out, second Jesus Christ looked at him and said, come out, he came out. It had nothing to do with you casting out devils or the person not having enough faith to get healed. Or kept, it had nothing to do with any of that. It was a commandment of Jesus Christ. It was that simple. Are we having fun yet? I hope we are. Because I hope some of you got scared about what you've been looking at, what you've been listening to, and what you've been thinking about, what's been going on. I hope some of you realize just because you're saved doesn't mean you're immune from it. And just because you worship doesn't mean you don't have problems. But I'll tell you this much, it's literally this simple. 1 John 1, 9. Lord, I need your help. I ask you to forgive me. He says he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I wonder why some people get stuck, some Christians get stuck, don't grow for year after year after year after year. I wonder how many unclean spirits are in them. I would that thou art caught or cold, but they're lukewarm, so you're stuck in the middle. I wonder, I wonder if you just got down and just said, Lord, I the wrong spirit's got a hold of me. I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but if it is, I ask the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, to cleanse me and wash me clean and free me up. I do that. <laughs> I do it on a regular basis. Why? Because he's got the power to take care of him. A mighty fortress is our God. So don't get all weird and superstitious and uptight and all the rest of that stuff. Just stay close to the Lord. Ask him to help you. Be aware of it. Make sure you're not tuning into the wrong stuff. All right, well, we'll stop there and pick it up next time. Father, we love you tonight, and we thank you, Lord, for the folks that stuck it out today and uh, 
stayed here for the afternoon service. I pray you'd help us to get some help from this stuff. Help us not to get uh, too obsessed about all unclean spirits and all the rest of that, but help us to realize that they're real and they exist and they trouble us. God, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. And so, God, we ask you to help us. I ask you to clean us up. I ask you to give us the victory. I pray we leave here today rejoicing in Jesus Christ, having no confidence in the flesh, but having great confidence in the fact that we have a God who is a mighty fortress. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing among us. We ask you to dismiss us with your blessing. Get everybody home safely. Help them to relax and enjoy the rest of their day. Give them a good week at work. And meet with us on Wednesday night. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.